Welcome to Lead On, a program where we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, and I've been a ministry leader for a number of years. Over those years, I've learned a few things about applying biblical insights to the practical daily challenges of leading a church or a ministry organization. That's what this program is about. This is not really a teaching or a preaching program. It's more of an application program, trying to bring to bear the best of Christian insight and the best of a biblical and theological worldview to help us understand how to solve practical problems of leading churches and ministry organizations. A few days ago, I received a phone call from an elder of a local church who said, Dr. George, can you help us help our pastor? He's a really good preacher. Uh, he's very personable, and we like him. Overall, he has a passion and drive and a real vision and commitment to our church. So many things about him are so positive, but there's this one glaring problem. Our pastor is a micromanager, and his micromanaging is undermining so many of these other strengths and positive qualities that it's becoming a significant detriment to his leadership. And so the caller asked me the question, not how do we get rid of our pastor, how do we rebuke our pastor? They don't want to do either one of those things. He asked me the question, how do we help our pastor deal with this issue in such a way that he can have a more healthy perspective on leadership? So I want to talk today about micromanaging in ministry leadership, why it's a problem, the damage that it causes, and then the solutions that we can bring to bear to help people who struggle with this particular dilemma. Micromanagers are people who involve themselves far too much in the details of day-to-day operations. Now, let me clarify a couple of quick things. First of all, some leaders avoid paying attention to important details so they can avoid being called a micromanager. That's not what we're talking about here today. For example, I have to give regular reports to our board of trustees at our school, and those reports are my responsibility to produce. Now, I have some staff who help me with the reports, but at the end of the day, I'm responsible for every word in those 40 to 50 pages that give the report of what our school's been doing over the previous few months. So I have to pay attention to those details. It's not micromanaging for me to pay close attention to the details of certain aspects of my work for which I'm completely responsible. So that's not what we mean by micromanaging. Micromanaging is not avoiding detail. Micromanaging is avoiding involving yourself in detail that really isn't germane to your particular function as a leader and not healthy for your organization. Another thing I would say about micromanaging in terms of what it's not, uh, it's not uh, having clear expectations of others and giving a clear direction to what you expect of them or what you expect them to do. That's part of good leadership is giving that kind of direction. But again, that kind of overall direction, charting a course, if you will, is not the same as getting down in the details and tell a person, telling a person, turn right, turn left, turn right, turn left, turn left, while they're in the process of fulfilling that track or that path you've given them. So micromanaging does not mean that we 
avoid details. And avoid being micromanagers does not mean that we avoid uh, paying attention to laying out the general directions we want people to go. But micromanaging is when you get yourself so involved in the details that it becomes detrimental to the organization in several significant ways. So what are the negative impacts of being a micromanager in ministry? Well, the first negative is loss of vision for the church or the organization. You know, the higher you are in the leadership responsibility, the more important it is that you be the vision caster for your organization. You're the person who has to be looking ahead one year, three years, five years, and be constantly talking about the future and where we're going and how we're going to get there. Vision casting is an essential role of key leaders. When a leader finds themselves micromanaging daily operations rather than focusing on the visionary big picture, the organization suffers because vision cannot be cast from the bottom of the org chart up. It has to be cast from the top of the org chart down. And so when you're micromanaging an organization, one of the negative impacts is loss of vision or loss of capacity to see the future and to move toward it aggressively. Another negative impact of micromanaging is demoralized staff. Now, you may be in a smaller church setting, and you may think, I don't even have a staff, but you do. Some of your staff may be paid, but for most of you in pastoral ministry, more of the people you work with are volunteers. So whether you're talking about paid staff or volunteer staff, micromanaging those people leads to frustration because people feel manipulated or undervalued. Your micromanagement communicates to them that you don't trust their judgment, you don't have confidence in their decision-making, you don't believe they're going to achieve the desired outcomes that you want, and that you really don't value their intelligence or their giftedness or their unique capacity or ability to make a difference in the particular situation you're facing. So a demoralized staff resulting from frustrated people who feel manipulated or undervalued for these reasons I've just summarized is another negative impact of micromanagement. Another negative impact really gets a little closer to home, and that is micromanaging has a negative relational uh, impact on the leaders themselves. When you find yourselves micromanaging, you will typically also find yourself overworked and investing far too much time in doing things that really aren't your core responsibility as a leader. And in order to get that time to micromanage the people and the processes that you're overseeing, you'll take time away from your family, away from your wife, away from your children, because you're so involved in micromanaging these details that you're not able to really spend the time with the people that matter to you most. And then another negative impact is even a little closer to home than that in the life of the leader, and that is health problems or health difficulties that result from overwork and stress. So I'll just stop there. That's four negative impacts of being a micromanager in a ministry organization. Two of them are organizational negatives, loss of vision and demoralized staff or team. And two of them are personal negatives, uh, relationship problems or struggles, and then health problems or difficulties. These are the kinds of things that emerge when leaders are micromanagers. Now remember, we're not talking today about avoiding the details of your job for which you really are responsible. 
Don't say, well, I'm just not good at details. No, that's not what we're talking about. There are some details that leaders have to stay close, pay close attention to and stay on top of. And we're also not talking today about failing to cast or get to give direction uh, by casting a vision for a path or a, a, a direction that you want the organization to go and being very clear about that. That's a level of detail that's appropriate for a leader. What we're talking about today is when you get enmeshed in the ongoing day-to-day details of ministry organizational work to the detriment of your organization or of yourself personally in the ways that we've described. Now, why do some leaders struggle with this problem? Well, let me give you several reasons. I've got at least five. Number one, some leaders are micromanagers because of personal insecurity. And you say, well, what's the connection? Well, insecure people typically are controllers. They want to control every detail of every circumstance and every person involved in every situation so that no negative reflection can come back on them. Why is that so important? Because in their insecurity, they're incapable of dealing with any negative, any criticism, uh, any uh, backlash, or any hint that they are not somehow perfect in the process of the task or the situation they're leading. Insecurity is a primary cause of micromanagers. Now, I know this because I struggled with this problem early in my leadership years. Because of my personal insecurities that came out of my background, I grew up in an alcoholic family, Uh, I never knew my biological father. I grew up in a context that bred a lot of insecurity into my life, and I compensated for that by becoming a driven perfectionist. And I expressed that driven perfectionism in some positive ways. It made me a better student, for example. But when I moved into leadership roles, it began to express itself in some very negative ways. My drivenness and my perfectionism rooted entirely in my insecurities caused me to be a micromanager, a hyper-controller, someone who had to have my hand in everything, who had to have an opinion about every subject, who had to have a perspective on every idea, who had to have a directive for every single person every single day about every single thing we were doing. And quite honestly, I was doing damage to my relationships and damage to my health, and I was definitely doing damage in my organization by demoralizing the people I worked with and failing at my core responsibility, which was casting vision and keeping us on track for the bigger picture. So insecurities are one reason why some leaders micromanage. Here's another one that comes out of that, and I've already mentioned the word, and that is perfectionism. Perfectionism leads us to think that we are the only ones who can do certain jobs or we're the only ones who can do the jobs of ministry at a level of quality that is acceptable to us and we like to project it on others and say even to our community. And a driven perfectionist motivated by deep insecurity will go to great lengths to control everything and everyone in their ministry organization so that Things might be done perfectly, at least in their own self-appraisal, so that they might feel good about themselves and good about the organization they lead. I once worked with a pastor who really struggled with this. 
He was a very effective church planter who had seen his church grow from uh, just a, a few people to 600 in just a few years. The church grew rapidly, and there seemed to be so much about it that really spoke of the strength this church could potentially have in the future. When the church reached a point where it had several hundred people, it also then had an implosion and fell back down to under 100 in attenders. Now, when this happened, there were a lot of uh, explanations offered. Uh, We had to have a purification time, some said. We had to sort out some theological issues and make sure we were all aligned, others said. Some said, well, we just grew too fast, and uh, we... uh, We needed to recalibrate some of our strategies and create better systems. And I I heard all of these reasons and, frankly, didn't pay much attention. It seemed like reasonable explanations to me. And the church started growing again. And in a couple of more years, it had reached another several hundred people in attendance. And then it imploded a second time. Now, when it imploded the second time, the leadership contacted me and asked me to meet with the pastor and talk with him about what was happening and why this pattern was repeating itself. When I met with him, I, <clears throat> I asked him to describe his work style and some of his perspectives in ministry and some of the reasons he felt the church had gone through this cycle twice now of growing, imploding, growing, imploding. And one of the things he said to me was, our church grows because I hold everyone to a very high standard, and I make sure every single thing in our church is done with excellence. And he told me about how he was personally involved in everything from proofreading the Sunday uh, printed materials to evaluating all of the technology that was created for every service or every public uh, use and how he met with every single person in leadership at least every week or every other week, uh, going not down to just the directors in his departments, but down beyond the directors to the classes, to the teachers, to the outreach and care group leaders. And I thought, how does anyone have time to meet with that many people and supervise that much detail? And he told me, well, you've got to work 70 or 80 hours a week to make that happen. And so I start early and I go late and I drive myself if necessary, but I make sure that we do everything at a high level of excellence. I asked him, this perfection that you're trying to achieve, how do you think you're doing with that? He said, well, we do well with it for a while, but then it falls apart because I can't keep up the pace. And I said, well, why don't you train some other people? Let them take some of the load. And he said, because they don't understand the standards that I want enforced. Man, this guy's perfectionism was just bleeding out all over. It was leaking out of every pore. It was pouring out of every word. It was so obvious to me, and yet he was unable to see that what was driving him to have this spirit of excellence, as he called it in his church, was really his own perfectionism, which demanded things be done a certain way to a certain standard in his own perceived way of seeing ministry as being excellent. And in order for that to happen, he had to be personally invested in every single thing. And this had set the church up for these cycles of growth and implosion as people's frustration grew to the point of just leaving under this kind of weekly pressure. Here's a third reason that some leaders micromanage, and that is they do so to avoid criticism, and they particularly do so when they have themselves been the subject or the object of some intense criticism. 
Now, all of us in ministry leadership know what it feels like to be criticized. We all get occasional emails or someone will take us to task on social media or maybe even an old school person will write us a real letter and say something to us that's critical. We all get criticized, and that's part of public life. It's part of leadership, and we know that. But some leaders have experienced criticism at a much higher level. They have developed persistent critics who attack them relentlessly. They attack them relentlessly on social media, uh, by email, sometimes even in face-to-face conversations. But their, their criticisms are relentless. You know, I once had a staff pastor of a church that I knew who struggled with this. Uh, he came into a church setting, and for a while he did a, a pretty good job. And then uh, a few people in the church decided that he really wasn't doing a good job any longer, and they started attacking him. Now, his pastor remained very supportive, and the, the core leadership of the church, the, the elders and others in supervisory roles, remained supportive of him. But nevertheless, there was a cadre of people in the church that were incredibly negative, very critical, such that he received some communication almost weekly from someone in this group reminding him of some shortcoming, some mistake, some failure, something he had not done or something he had done but not up to their expectations. This criticism took a toll on this fellow, and so the toll was he became a micromanager. He started trying to control everything and everyone to eliminate any possibility that anyone would criticize him. And as you already know, it was a losing battle. It was like playing sort of a -a whack-a-mole, if you remember that old game. It was sort of playing that kind of game, trying to hit the critic or stop the critic or or confront the critic or mollify the critic every week and, of course, completely futile. But the reason for his micromanagement, the reason for him taking over all this detail and trying to do all these things was really not because he wasn't doing a good job or because he didn't feel like he was doing a good job with another management style. It was because he was committed to trying to eliminate these critics in his life. And in order to do that, he felt like he had to micromanage situations so that he could avoid any hint of anything that might be criticized. Well, finally... Uh, our fourth, I should say, Uh, there's another reason leaders micromanage, and that's because they have what I call misplaced ministry fulfillment. And that is they actually get their ministry fulfillment out of the micro tasks they do rather than overseeing the larger work that's being done by the organization. Again, I once consulted with a church that was struggling with their youth pastor in this regard. Uh, Their church had about 30 teenagers, and he was called to be youth pastor and given a full-time responsibility for that task and told that he was responsible to grow the youth ministry by evangelizing new teenagers and discipling them in the faith. Now, this was in a growing area and in a growing church. When he arrived there, the church had about 200 in attendance and about 30 uh, teenagers, and a few years later, the church had 600 in attendance and still 30 teenagers. And so people were asking, why aren't we able to reach more teenagers with the gospel, and why aren't we able to expand our youth ministry as our church is growing? And one of the things that was discovered was that this particular youth pastor uh, really did not do much training of others to do anything in youth ministry. He had his 30 teenagers that he felt like he could care for, and he was their hands-on personal pastor. He met with them for discipleship meetings. He met with them for prayer. He led all the Bible studies. He led the Sunday school class. 
Uh, he drove the van on the outreach events. He did all kinds of things that involved him personally in the lives of these teenagers. And there's something good about being personally involved in the lives of the people you lead, but micromanagers take it too far. This was a youth pastor of a growing church. He should have been developing other leaders who could do the teaching and the coaching and the mentoring and the praying and the discipling and other adults who could drive vans and prepare meals and plan fellowships and activities. But he was unable to do that because he got so much personal fulfillment out of the hands-on ministry tasks that he did that he was unable to disengage. And quite frankly, it ultimately cost him his position in that church. The good news is, That losing of that position turned into a real wake-up call for him, and he went on to much more productive ministries in the future as he learned to break this dependence on personal fulfillment in ministry and to develop instead the fulfillment that comes from seeing others excel in ministry that you've trained and put into place around you. But nevertheless, his problem was that he was a micromanager because he got so much fulfillment out of the hands-on tasks that he just couldn't give them up. Now, finally, there is one more reason why some leaders have a problem with being micromanagers, and this is the one that a lot of people think of as the primary reason, but it's actually, I think, the last one, and that is a lack of managerial skills. Sometimes leaders just need to read a book, go to a seminar, or get a mentor and learn how to be a better delegator, how to be a better equipper, how to structure work so that it can be put into small Uh, blocks of uh, tasks and given over to others, including others that are volunteers. Sometimes leaders lack these basic managerial skills, and these are skills that can be learned. But here's what I've observed over the years. Lack of managerial skills is really at the bottom of the list of why people become micromanagers. Most people who are micromanagers are doing so because they're either insecure, perfectionistic, trying to avoid criticism, are dealing with misplaced ministry fulfillment issues. Now, once you get those issues off the table, then if you still have a struggle with it, perhaps your problem really is you just need help learning better managerial skills. But if you focus on the managerial skills without solving these underlying issues, you'll just heighten your frustration. You won't really solve any problem. So that leads us to the final point today, and that is how do you help a micromanager? How do you answer that first question that was asked of me by that elder who called a few weeks ago? Well, the first thing you have to do is diagnose why a particular leader is struggling with this issue. What are, of the five reasons I gave, what are the primary reasons why this leader is struggling with being a micromanager? Sort out the cause first. Now, this usually doesn't require intensive counseling over prolonged sessions, Just some honest conversations among a leadership team will surface what's really driving a leader in this direction. And these transportations or conversations can be, uh, these conversations can be transparent conversations among leaders who are all in the same team trying to get to the best objectives. Then, once you've figured out what the underlying reason is, address that core issue and then on top of that, help a person learn some new managerial skills as needed. Some leaders struggle with being micromanagers. We can overcome the core issues that drive us in that unhealthy direction and prevent some of these unhealthy results that come from being micromanagers. When we get the diagnosis done, we address the core problem 
and then, if necessary, learn some new skills to help us overcome those core problems and become much better leaders. We are responsible to manage appropriate detail. We are responsible to cast vision and lay out a track if our, for our organization to pursue. But organizations are much healthier when we trust others to manage the details. As a way of thanking you for listening to Lead On, we'd like to give you one of my new books, Shadow Christians, Making an Impact When No One Knows Your Name. I've signed 10 of these and we're giving them away to the first 10 people who contact us at gs.edu backslash shadow. Go to that website, make connection with us, we'll send you a free book.